Hi, I'm Pete Price, and Des Nichols is joining me now with his new book, Lying in Love. He lives in Spain. He was a journalist. He's from the old school of journalism. He has an opinion. He's an interesting man, and it's a great book and a great read. Join me now with Des Nichols. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to speak to this gentleman. I first found him um, over in Key West. He's now moved to Spain. I love him coming on the show. I loved meeting his missus. I had a drink with him once in uh, Key West, which was amazing. He's now got a book out called Lying in Love, which we'll talk about shortly. And it is Des Nichols. Hello, Des. Oh, Pete, how are you? I, I see you've been a busy bee this week. I've been following all your antics. It's been hysterical. We've had now about 250,000 hits looking at the bees and some very funny and rude comments about them, which has been I a bear. bit hysterical. Des, first of all, give us a potted history on who you are and your journalist background, because it is a fascinating story. And let's remind people who you are. Well, I'll try and keep it in a very little pot, Pete, but um, basically I spent mo most of my life working at the Daily Mail, running all the promotions and competitions and uh, all the various uh, sort of dream cottages and scratch cards and everything, which was a, a good job for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It fitted my uh, personality really well. I was very, very lucky. Uh, but then I moved to America. I got married to Sandy and uh, cut a long story short. We lived in Key West, so we had the pleasure of meeting Pete Price one day, um, an unforgettable moment. And then we had two and a half years uh, on the road, traveling around in a big RV, towing a, uh, a little black and white mini. And we went all over America, every state, for two and a half years, as I say. And I wrote a blog then called catsacrossamerica.net, which I would love people to check out. Um, it's not really about cats. It's just that we took four cats with us, and uh, so we named it after them. But anyway, subsequently... Going back to this pot and squeezing the last bit in, uh, last year we moved to Spain from America, and we absolutely love it. Tell me, why, why Spain? I mean, did you both think, where are we going to go, or did you feel it was time to leave America? Explain why you did it. Uh, no, I, I'm married, Pete. Uh, my wife decided to go to Spain. Um, you'll have to ask her that one, because we're not quite sure why she chose it, but she did a bit of research. Uh, we got a little bit... Um, let me say, we, we, we wanted to get back to the roots of Europe and be near the UK again. Uh, the problem with living in Florida is it's very hard to find any roots of any depth whatsoever, anywhere. Um, but so we're living in a lovely old town now. We just bought a, a very, very ancient house in a town called Javier, uh, in, uh, in between Alicante and Valencia. Uh, now tell me, were you in America still when the pandemic was on or did you move over? And if you did, was it a struggle? What happened? Where were no, you? No, no, it, it, it was okay, actually. No, we were there and I got it really early on, which actually really got me to write this book. Um, I got it in, in, uh, over a year, year uh, ago and we decided, um, you know, that, well, because we were in Florida, um, we were very lucky in that they weren't particularly strict. There was a lockdown for about a month, but after that, everything eased up. You had to wear a mask in shops and so forth. But life went on pretty well, um, as it always had done. It wasn't that big a disruption, not like Europe uh, and the UK, that's for sure. So moving to Spain, was it a big problem because of the pandemic? Uh, it wasn't made any easier. The whole thing was a problem because of post-Brexit. Um, 
it's a, a, a lot longer process. We managed to get our visas through the Miami, um, the embassy in Miami, the Spanish embassy, uh, and we got our residency eventually. But the, the paperwork and the bureaucracy was phenomenal. And then, of course, we had to bring our cats over, uh, and they also had a, a, a wealth of papers to complete and vets to see and so forth. Uh, apart from the cost, because uh, it cost them three, it cost us three thousand dollars to get the cats over. <laughs> Oh dear! I'm talking oh to dear. Des, I'm talking to Des Nichols. If you've just joined us, he's got a book out which we're going to talk about in a minute called "Lying in Love." Um, Des, put your journalist journalistic hat on again. How do you think, and what do you think about the way journalism has changed because of the internet, because of costings? We're losing newspapers hand over fist. Huge. I, I, I mean, I'm afraid. One of the reasons we wanted to get out of America is that there is no journalist anymore. There's no journalistic integrity. Um, all they are now, uh, if you turn on the TV news channels, all you get is talking heads, giving opinion, and so forth. But there's no in-depth journalist or investigative journalism anymore. Uh, it's very, very sad. I, I, I'm not sure if the, um, the real journalist exists anymore. Um, I think now they're just, uh, you know, faces on TV who uh, want to be interviewed and um, want to give their opinion. But as I say, there's no investigation. There's no great political depth to any of it. I'm glad you said it that way, because the old journalist knocked on doors, had to face people, had to go and get the story and... As you know, Des, and I'm sick of saying it on the show when people say about fake news, we, from the old school and still to this day, have to check a story out before we put it out, don't we? Uh, absolutely. That's absolutely crucial to the, uh, to the whole integrity of the business. Um, if, you've got, if you're on a story, you've, you've got to check your contacts, you've got to check the uh, veracity of everything. Um, but it's just... It's not the same game anymore, Pete. It's very sad. It, it, it's one of those things. And it has fallen victim to the internet. There's no doubt about that. Um, because the, the way the journalists, I, I was very fortunate to spend a lot of time on the news floor at the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday. And these guys were terrific. And they loved their story. And they were in depth um, investigative journalism, journalists who really got into the story, as you say, and did go knocking on doors and did go probing and did actually uncover a lot of very, very interesting stuff that should be put in the public domain. Do you see a time without newspapers? Do I? I'm sorry. Do you, see a, do you see a time without newspapers? Time without newspapers? Well, the, the strength of newspapers in the UK market is, I've, I've always said that as a sort of marketing man on the, on the mail, was that they do fill a gap. You know, the, the, the greatest friend of, journal, of newspaper sales is routine. Um, and when people get on a train, it's, that's a great thing to talk about now, isn't it? But um, people <laughs> like to get into a routine of having a newspaper or they have a cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, I hate to say it because it's, it's, it's not very PC now, but as people used to have a cigarette at certain times with that first glass of wine or that first cup of coffee, or yeah. God forbid when you first wake up. But uh, but it, that routine, I'm afraid, um, uh, is, is is being broken up through through various uh, for various reasons. But it's still there. I, I still will hold out hope for newspapers, but I think we have to have much modest, much more modest. Um, uh, um, ambitions about how many copies we will actually sell, and of course by producing. For example, the Daily Mail online, uh, we, we, we've created this, uh, this, um, uh, this animal, if you like, which is available for free to, to, to the market. 
um, which cannibalizes the paid-for product. You know, the paid-for product is actually biggest competitor is its own yep. wicked sister, the yep. Internet. Incredible. Des, the book, Lying in Love, is this your first book? It is. It is. And it was such fun writing it. I, I, I never thought I'd do anything. I, I just say do it. I'm sure there's a book in everybody. And I had this story in my head for about, um, I don't know, about eight years, Pete. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine with a glass of wine in my hand, which is, is pretty usual. And he said, why don't you just write it? And I said, oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He said, do it. Stop talking about it. Do it. And I hadn't talked about it a lot. But, but that spurred me into thinking, I am going to sit down and I'm going to start writing. And I just started writing, and um, the story actually developed, and the characters emerged um, just out of the process of sitting down and looking ahead and typing. It just it just came. It was it was such fun. So the actual book, did you have an idea, or was it a journey with the book? That, that, that's a great question because the book itself took over the journey, if you like. Yes, of course, I started out uh, with a premise uh, about these four guys uh, and they would just gone through rather messy divorces and um, they were divorce balls, as I like to call them, and they were in the Duke of Wellington pub and they got talking and eventually they decided to get a big apartment together because they could roll their money up and get something half decent. Um, and, of course, then they... They were like teenagers again. It was the seven ages of man. They were back, young, free, in London and single. Uh, but then the mischief starts. And uh, there's some real ups and downs, a real roller coaster. There's ups and downs. One of them, you know, is going through a very, very bad divorce and can't see his children. So they all get together and find a way, uh, which I don't know if I should tell you really, but find a way of actually making things happen. Um, I will tell you, Pete, because you're a great mate. Um, but basically, it involves. Uh, each one of the characters dating the other one's wives. And it is quite <laughs> funny because, because they're a very disparate group and they find all the partners online and they draw lots. And, and of course, the great thing is the other guys can go on the date and watch it happen because apart from the former husband, they don't know the other two in the apartment. So uh, it's, I, I think it's very funny. I, I think people, it'd be a great holiday read. If you like you know, The Holiday or Notting Hill or Love Actually. It's, it's in that um, mode. And it's the sort of thing, if you take on holiday, you can pick up, you can leave it a few days and go back to. And uh, I think you'll love the characters. If you've just joined us, I'm talking to Des Nichols over in Spain about a new book that he's written called Lying in Love. From the beginning of the book to the end, how much has it changed? Did you find... And with your journalistic head on that you were changing chunks or was it just naturally coming oh, out? No, no, no. It absolutely did change. And, and that was the evolution of it, which you mentioned, which was such fun. And in fact, when I, I thought I'd finished it, I didn't like the last two chapters. And so I tore it up and I wrote the last two again with a completely different ending. And I think it's much better now. And um, no, he did. It, it, it was a journey that the, the story itself controlled. And it, it, it just went, everything fell into place. Every, all the characters uh, fell into place. And um, it, 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 I think it ends up at, uh, you know, in, in quite a good place. Des, did you, seems to be happy. Yeah, Des, did you struggle at all? Which is a ridiculous question, this. But I've asked writers this before, and it, I, I was surprised. Did you struggle with the names of the characters, or did they just come to you automatically? 
No, uh, to be honest, I didn't struggle at all. Uh, I struggled with the name of the book, um, but uh, the, 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 the characters, um, it was very, very easy. It's, uh, I think it's about 150,000 words or something, and I wrote it in nine weeks, and uh, I was up um, all the hours of the night doing this, and I'd wake up in the, in the middle of the night, like, like I'm sure you do sometimes with an idea, and I, yeah. I just have to go back to the computer and, and get it down there and then. And uh, it's funny how if you write in the middle of the night, um, how how clear your head is. It is <laughs> you, weird. You yeah, you can just immerse yourself in it, yeah. and you're there, you're living it. And my dear wife Sandy, bless her. I mean, she lived with these characters uh, for you know two two or three months. And um, no, I'm, I'm I'm I really think people will enjoy it. Really will. So tell me what um, what were the other titles? What was what was the one of the contenders instead of lying in? Well, love? I thought about leading with the, the, the Duke of Wellington, and then there was uh, anything to do with with dating. Um, you know. Um, uh, it, because the linchpin of the whole thing is this, this dating each other's partners in the middle of it. Um, so I, the, the word dates was being banded around. But uh, but lying in love says about what it is. I mean, the, the characters are so different. There's a, a, a city, a, an old city guy. There's an advertising guy. There's a newspaper guy. And there's a, a, rock, a little rock and roll star from a London band called Street Fire who are quite big. And uh, they all get on because they're so different. And of course, their partners, uh, for various reasons, uh, seem to be attracted to uh, a completely different sort of person that they marry, as they are newly divorced as well. So um, I was able to have some fun, and that's when it ran away with itself, really. And um, it, we could, I could start to have some real fun with it. Now you talk about pressures in the book with the the, the couples and all the goings on. <laughs> was there any pressure with you and Sandy? Was she getting fed up with you writing the book? No, not at all. She was actually she was brilliant because she would tell me when that you know things were stupid or not funny, and uh, she, she she was my uh, still voice of calm that was telling me um, which way I should go with, with any number of elements of it. But uh, no, and, and a lot of people I know. You, you talked about the characters. A couple of the characters I started off with a friend of mine in mind that I'd met either through work or through play, uh, and especially with the girls. I mean, one girl, Angela, is, is quite dowdy. Uh, she works in a bookshop, but when she switches to a new partner, suddenly she finds life uh, completely uh, rejuvenating and um, starts to come out of herself again. And same with some of the other characters, similar with George, who was the old advertising man, suddenly gets his youth back, and uh, he's, he's such fun to, to have in the book. He, he's such fun to have around. Des, you've had many big things, many big adventures in your life, and you've had lots of nice surprises and lovely things happen to you. Tell mm -hmm. me how you felt when they gave you the first copy of the book in front oh of you. Oh, my God. You know, it, it, was, it was spectacular. Uh, and, uh, because... And that's why I'd urge anybody to do this. And it's so easy now. Amazon books make it so easy uh, because you can just uh, download it and you can get the book back within uh, within a week. Um, but when you actually put pick up the hard copy and you see the title and you see the cover that you've had designed and you just flick through the pages and you open it anywhere and you know exactly where you are. It's like an old friend, but... You've never seen him before. <laughs> um, it, it was very exhilarating, and uh, I think the champagne popped that day. Did you have any writer's block at all? No, not at all. It just flowed. Um, no, it was fine. 
um, I, it just just went like a well-oiled machine, and uh, it, 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 it it did change directions. I, I didn't look at it. It wasn't as if I was trying to write something that I knew how it ended, what the next step was. That would be very boring, I think. Uh, but I could suddenly yeah. get some sort of inspirational um, it's an enthusiasm by saying, oh, why don't we try this? And you just write it and see if it works. So did you sit and watch Sandy when she first read it completely? Or did you leave her in well, the room and then say, come in when you're ready? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, Pete. Um, I read it to her because it was the only way to proof check, I find, uh, is to read it out loud to somebody uh -huh. because you do it more slowly. If you, do, if you read your own material to yourself, you tend to speed read it and miss things. Um, and you, you probably found that yourself, but by actually reading it out. So I, we go to bed and I'd, I'd read her a chapter uh, when it was finished and she'd say yes, no, and uh, that's good. Or why don't you do that? And it was at such a stage I could go back and take her advice and change things around. So. Now I've got the book in my hand as we speak. If I gave it to you now and gave it you back, is there anything you would change? Um, not in the story, no. No, I, I'm actually thinking of the sequel now more than changing that. Oh, wow. uh, I'm not saying it's, it's perfect, uh, but I don't think... I think um, the process we went through to get where we are, I think ironed out any anomalies and any anything that I would think, no, that doesn't make sense. I think it all does make sense, uh, and the flow of it's right. I've done it, you'll see the dates on it. I've done it, it's only over a period of a few months. Uh, but I've, I've done it almost as a diary uh, in the sense that every chapter uh, and every section has the, the, the day on it uh, and the date that that happens and then next morning and so forth. So, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Uh, I mean that immodestly, but I am really pleased with it and I hope people like it. Des, you've got a new book out. It's your first book. Uh, your name is Des Nichols. The book is called Lying in Love. When you gave it to a friend, were you nervous about that? Because Sandy had grown up with the book. Were you nervous with um, giving it to a pal? I, I was, and I didn't know whether I wanted them to lie or tell the truth. And when they were very kind about it, I still don't know quite which, <laughs> which, which was which. Um, but no, I, I, I wasn't nervous of it because I'm, in a way I'm quite proud of it because I think it's come out really well. And I think it's fun. Uh, I think it's got serious sides to it. I think it has got emotions in it that everybody, uh, whatever their experience in life, will be able to identify with one of the characters. And uh, I spent a lot of time developing those characters um, before the story really got into first gear. It's a bit like watching Ascot, you know, the first half of the race. They're just really getting through it and uh, getting settled down in the race and getting the action. And then as you get to the point of the race where it's the business end uh, and things start to quicken up. It, it, it's, if you imagine it like that, it, it, it's that. No, I'm, I'm, um, I think, honestly, I think, I think you'll like it. Des, how can they buy the book? Good question. The easiest way is just to go to my website on lyinginlove.com, lyinginlove.com, and there you can click straight through to Amazon. Uh, alternatively, go to Amazon Books, and if you want it on a Kindle or a paperback, you can get it very easily by just putting in Lying in Love. So it's either Amazon, but probably the easiest thing is just to go to lyinginlove.com. If you enjoyed that, why not just subscribe? It's completely free and have a listen to our back catalogue of interviews.